Maybe like me, you've had a LinkedIn profile for a while and gradually been trying to make it better. Or maybe you've been getting notifications from LinkedIn, but haven't done much to create a profile or put much effort into the system. On this episode, how to vastly improve your LinkedIn profile to help you open new opportunities and enhance your online presence. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 285. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And if you're tuning in for the first time, you picked a great episode to do so because today we're going to be talking about a tool that is helpful to many of us in strengthening our relationships, especially our professional relationships, and one that I get asked about a lot, and that is LinkedIn. LinkedIn has become a very powerful tool for so many of us in not only building but maintaining our professional networks, and yet it is also a tool that uh, we many of us don't utilize as well as we could. And uh, you'll remember if you've been listening to the show for a bit, I put out a call in early January uh, mentioning that we were going to have a LinkedIn expert come on the show and to look at some of the profiles uh, of some of our listeners and to give us feedback on how we can all do a better job at uh, maximizing our investment in LinkedIn and how we can really uh, have LinkedIn be working better for us. And I'm really glad to welcome to the show today, Brenda Bernstein. She is the founder and senior editor at The Essay Expert and is the author of How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile, a book that held the number one bestseller spot in Amazon's business writing skills list for over two years. Brenda is a sought-after speaker and award-winning businesswoman, and she's been partnering with job seekers and college applicants for over 15 years to create effective written communication documents. And of course, she's an expert on creating powerful profiles on LinkedIn. Brenda, I am so glad to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dave. It's good to be here. Well, I should mention up front here that we did this call for folks to send in their LinkedIn profiles to us, and I really was not expecting the response. Uh, over 50 people responded. I just had made one mention on a previous uh, show, and over 50 people responded almost immediately. So um, thank you to all of you who did respond. I wasn't able to get that back to everyone personally. Um, what Brenda and I have done is we've looked through uh, the profiles, and we've taken some that we think are good representatives of some of the feedback uh, that Brenda can give to us. So uh, if we don't mention yours, so sorry we weren't able to get to it. Um, but Brenda, I think we're gonna, we are gonna—we have a lot to work with here today, and I think we've got a lot of things we can do to help us all to improve on these profiles. Uh, before we get into the profiles, I, I mean, I think almost all of us are familiar with LinkedIn, even if we don't use it actively. And um, you know, we've heard and we've had conversations on the show about What's the value of social media? Sometimes it's more of a tool for distraction. And I think that that is the case for a lot of the social media channels. Um, I know I found uh, LinkedIn is is different. And, um, and yet, I don't know if that's true for everyone, that they've really... Uh, they've they've really got their sense around like LinkedIn and what it's for and, and why bother. And so I'm wondering from your perspective, why invest the time in LinkedIn and why uh, why worth the time and the investment to put up a profile and to start doing some of the things we'll talk about today? Well, 
if you're a job seeker, it is extremely important to have an excellent LinkedIn profile. The recruiters are out there. The hiring managers are out there. They're looking on LinkedIn. The last statistic I saw was 93% of recruiters and hiring managers are looking for candidates on LinkedIn. I'm sure it's higher now. And then when you compare LinkedIn, for all those people who are considering doing a Twitter and a Facebook job search, I'm not saying don't do that, but also be aware that of all the jobs that are sourced on social media, 89% of those are sourced from LinkedIn. Oh, wow. To me, that's a very clear reason to be on LinkedIn if you're a job seeker. And there's also a tremendous amount of business B2B that goes on also on LinkedIn. That is where professionals are looking to connect and network with each other online. I've heard some statistics in the past, too, as far as just average income of a LinkedIn user. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. There's a misperception by a lot of people that LinkedIn is only a place for job seeking and looking for the next opportunity. And I've certainly found that not to be the case. What's your thought on that, Brenda? I I agree with that. Absolutely. It's a place where business people are definitely spending their time getting to know each other, learning. I have done a lot of my business on LinkedIn, not only getting clients who, of course, are job seekers who would be on LinkedIn, right? Or a lot of my clients are job seekers, but not all of them. I also get clients who are business owners looking to maximize their LinkedIn profiles. And I teach business owners how to maximize their LinkedIn profiles. You can do a lot of selling on LinkedIn if you get Sales Navigator as a business owner. There's a lot of lead tracking that you can do, prospecting on LinkedIn. It's very valuable for that as well. And so many businesses have built their relationships and their lead sources through LinkedIn. And I suspect a lot of this starts with having a really solid personal profile on LinkedIn. And this is where you've written a fabulous book on this. And I noticed you built the book around some of the mistakes that uh, are commonly made in profiles. And so I was thinking maybe we could walk through some of the common mistakes and uh, give us all some, and maybe some examples uh, that you've seen in some of the profiles that we can be better at, um, if that sounds like a good starting point. That absolutely does. And something you said also as, as context, people also get a little bit mixed up about, well, I don't really want to be found on LinkedIn, so why should I have a good LinkedIn profile? The fact is, everyone is looking for you on LinkedIn. Anyone who Googles you is going to find you on LinkedIn because LinkedIn has a tremendously high Google ranking. So if someone looks for your name, one of the first things they're going to see is your LinkedIn profile. That might come up before your own website. So you need to have a good LinkedIn profile. There's just no question about it. People will be looking. If you send in your resume anywhere, First of all, your LinkedIn profile should be on it. Your URL should be on it. And the first thing the hiring manager is going to do or the recruiter is going to do is look at your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought this up because I'm just thinking from my own perspective, when I'm vetting guests who are going to come on the show, uh, one of the first things I do is I looked up, I look up on their LinkedIn profile. I uh, look up what they've done, their experience, partially because I'm trying to get a sense of who they are, but I also like to know like, what do we have in common? And uh, if I don't find a LinkedIn profile pretty quickly for someone, 
that's a pretty big, I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it's definitely a yellow flag is whether or not I'm going to pursue mm-hmm. having them on the show. Just because I'm kind of like in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, it's odd that they're not on LinkedIn. Why aren't they? Yeah. Like, are they really with the times? Are they really well connected? Are they just lazy? <laughs> like all of those judgments <laughs> yeah. can come in when you see someone who doesn't have a LinkedIn profile, who doesn't have a well-constructed LinkedIn profile, who has a LinkedIn profile with, you know, 57 connections or anything under 500 connections. It makes you think, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's good because that's going to get into some of the details of what we can do that's be better with this. And so one of the most visible things, of course, is the headline. And in your book, you call the number one mistake uh, is selling yourself short, which is having a lack of keywords and an ineffective headline. Tell us more about this. So there's an algorithm on LinkedIn, which probably only LinkedIn really knows exactly how it works. But what we do know is that your headline is the most important place to have keywords. So I looked at at some of the the submissions and I saw a headline uh, that says, for instance, credit analyst to AVP. Now we have a couple of keywords in here, credit analyst, but then we have the name of a company. The name of a company is never a keyword. I shouldn't say never. There might be exceptions where the name of your company is also a skill. Uh, So then it might be a keyword or if someone really wants to find people who've worked at Google, maybe. But then I saw another one, senior financial analyst at Mercer. So when you have at Mercer or the name of the company, you're wasting characters. You have 120 characters to use in your LinkedIn profile. Now, this is another little very secret tip. If you construct your headline on your phone, sometimes you can get more characters out of it. Don't tell anyone. Oh, um, go, okay. go and use that and keep that as your, <laughs> your secret. But, it's a good thing we're um, not broadcasting this to thousands of people. I know, right? <laughs> but that's a good thing to know. But you pretty much have 120 characters to use. So use your keywords. If you're a credit analyst, you probably have some other skills that go along with that. So look at your top skills and put those up there. Think about what a recruiter is going to be looking for. Think about job descriptions. Look at the job descriptions. One of the tricks that we use is we take job descriptions for maybe five jobs that interest you and put them into Wordle. You know, where you, you see those kind of word clouds, right? Oh, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Word sure. And some smaller words around it. So you can create these in Wordle.net. You put all the text in the job descriptions into their box, and then you push a button, and you get a word cloud. And you can see what words are popping up as important. Those are the words that you want to have in your headline. Oh, got it. Not the name of your company. So those are the things that people are going to be searching for if you've got the job description. So if um, I'm smart and I'm thinking, and, if, and I am using LinkedIn maybe to build a network and think about my next position, I would want to be pulling the profiles or the job descriptions for f- the positions I'm looking at, start thinking about what are the keywords that are being used there and find a way to start matching the wording in my headline and in my profile to those keywords. Exactly. So there were a couple of good examples also. Um, there was senior consultant. If he's looking to be a consultant or someone might be looking for a consultant, that's good. Business, financial operations, and human resource executive. Great. Lots of keywords. You hear that, right? Yeah. It really says who he is. 
And that's what people are going to be looking for. Another one, Samuel Maine, this stood out to me because it's British, head of operations, leading finance and administration, public, private, and third sector organizations, and organizations spelled in the British way. So this is going to be something that he's found for in the UK. Nice. <laughs> you know, it, it'll, it'll be recognized. Now, organization is probably not a keyword, but if it were, he spelled it the British way. So it just sort of jumped out at me. This is showing who his target audience is. If he wanted to target U.S. companies, then he would need to change the spelling of organizations, right? Right, So there right. are these little things that you just might not think about. But those are some good examples of putting lots of keywords into your headline, and that's what's going to get you found and recognized and get those light bulbs going off. Yeah, this is the person that we're looking for. At least a start. It will get you, get you in the door. Well, and that's huge advice. I mean, even the piece on not putting the company name in there, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have Dale Carnegie in my headline. So I'm probably, that's not a keyword and I'm wasting space uh, there. So that's that's huge right there as far as just thinking about that that's a place that's searchable and that is uh, that LinkedIn is using as an algorithm to figure out like what profiles come up. Yeah. And you do need to balance it because Dale Carnegie does have some cachet and maybe there are people who are searching searching for someone who can teach them Dale Carnegie techniques. So that's a, that's a borderline one, I would think. And sometimes if you're not looking to be found on LinkedIn and you're more concerned about what people see when they go and look for you and they already have your profile address, then it's not as important to have the keywords and you might balance it out more with your unique selling proposition or something like Dale Carnegie. Yeah, got it. Okay. And I think that part of this is also leading to, and I know we're going to get to this too, like what's the purpose of why you're using LinkedIn? What are you trying to accomplish with it? With it? And, and what's the call to action from the profile? And I think this probably, exactly. yeah, this probably leads into us talking about the experience section. And that's something you told me that when you were looking through the profiles, that was an area that was coming up for you as uh, probably an area of opportunity for a lot of us on just what we have in that experience section. So tell us more about that and what you saw and maybe how we should be thinking about that differently. Yeah. And you're absolutely right that every decision you make about your profile, you want to know why you're doing that and what your target is. Um, and, and there's no one size fits all advice on LinkedIn for the most part. You know, it's going to be, well, what do you want to get out of this? And then you decide how to go about it. So with the experience section, what I found with a lot of people uh, that, that I looked at was some copying of resume bullets into the experience section. This is something people do with the summary as well. They take a pretty generic resume summary that says results-oriented leader with a proven track record of blah, blah, and they just copy it and paste it into the summary section on LinkedIn. Also not advised. Uh, you have a lot more space to work with on LinkedIn and a lot more creativity that you can put into it. I actually don't advise summaries like that on resumes either. That's, a, that's another question. So um, with the experience section, if you're just taking your bullets and copying and pasting them into your resume, you're really into the LinkedIn profile, excuse me, you're missing out on an opportunity. LinkedIn is a networking site. It's a place to talk to people. So I asked people, how would you describe what you do if you were at a networking event 
and someone asked you, oh, what do you do with that job? Or what did you accomplish at that job? Or what did you like about that job? You can write a paragraph about what you did and then maybe hit on a couple of accomplishments, but keep it so that it's really speaking to human beings, to a human audience. So that's really um, my top piece of advice on the experience section. One thing I also saw, there were a lot of people who had very little information for their most recent jobs. Hmm. But then they had these huge long descriptions of jobs that they did 10 years ago. Oh, interesting. So, <laughs> so if that's you, look at your LinkedIn profile. Are you emphasizing the wrong things or old things? You want to have the most information about the most relevant positions. It makes sense, right? Yeah, it does make sense. And <laughs> it, it, one of the things, I'm just thinking about my own profile because I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of things on my LinkedIn profile that are probably bullet points from whatever version of resume I did years ago, last time I updated it. And so I think if I'm hearing you right, that, you know, putting kind of like the specific accomplishments and the metrics and those kinds of things that you would traditionally see on a resume. I think what you're saying is maybe don't necessarily do that on LinkedIn. Use a more conversational tone because it is a networking site versus it versus just being a static resume like you would hand to someone who's purely interviewing you. Am I hearing you right on that? Yes. Yes. And I wouldn't say don't put any of those things on LinkedIn, but maybe not as many of them. Really pick some top accomplishments and, and do put those out there if you're comfortable doing that. You know, there are some things that you might not want to share on LinkedIn. It's a public venue and your resume is not. So that's another thing to consider. What do I feel comfortable putting out on LinkedIn versus keeping a little more private in a resume? Okay, that's great. Because I, um, I had not thought about that distinction until just now. So that's huge. Um, you, you know, and actually, this brings up another point. I noticed on your profile, Brenda, and I've also noticed on some other profiles of people that I know are really have an expertise in using LinkedIn, um, that in addition to to what you've just said that um, there will be, you'll use little like characters, like little stars or check marks or things mm -hmm. that I don't see on most people's LinkedIn profiles, but I've seen it enough times. I know there must be something to that. So is there a secret language the rest of us don't know <laughs> that you know, and can you share it with us? <laughs> there, there are ways to get stars and other fun characters onto your LinkedIn profile. Um, I have some information about that in my book and you can also just copy and paste them. If you see them in someone else's profile, then oh, you know okay. they work. Copy and paste them into yours. And, and is that a strategy that just, is it just for like catching people's eye and just looks different or is yeah. there a specific thing? It's, it's just for it's catching just for people's eye. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Yeah. The other thing I would just say about the experience section is be consistent from one section to the next. I saw a lot of inconsistency when I looked at um, profiles here. So one might be more in the past tense, might, one might have bullets than the other one. So it looked like it was just pieced together from a zillion different, it wasn't the same from one thing to the other. And human minds are very simple. You know, we, we like things to be consistent so that we can understand them. When things start switching around like that, we get tired and we want to stop reading. Okay, great. That's huge. And I think it's probably, uh, I'm just thinking about my own profile, like, you put up that piece of your career 10 years ago <laughs> and you're done with it. And they're like, okay, well, I need to do the more recent one now. And like, then it ends up sounding really disjointed as opposed to what you just described, which is thinking about this as a holistic 
profile and looking at the whole thing and making sure that it has one voice essentially. And uh, so, so exactly. uh, that, that's huge. That's and put huge. this on your calendar once every couple months, review LinkedIn profile. Indeed. Well, and speaking of how things look, I, one of the other mistakes you highlight pretty prominently in the book is uh, having an unprofessional or distracting uh, profile photo or no photo or even no background image. And obviously, we can't see the photos uh, on the the podcast here, but I'm wondering if you could just say something generally about what should we be thinking about or doing around the photos on the profiles? I think with the photos, you want a professional photo if you're looking for a professional position. It's worth spending a little money or at least getting a really good um, selfie stick, you know, to, to take that photo. Have your face take up the entire space. So make sure your photo looks good and doesn't, isn't like tiny and have a square around it that's going to be inside the circle. Make sure it's just, it stands out. I saw there was one Melanie Gerald. I'm not sure I pronounced that right, but senior financial analyst at Mercer. I criticized your uh, your headline, but your photo is very good. I mean, it it just makes you look warm and professional, and I really like that. And then there are some people that have a little bit of a funky job. You know, there was someone who worked at Outward Bound, and for someone like that, yeah, have a picture of you outside. You know, so there, also there's no one size fits all here. There is one uh, Fabrizio. Trotti, who's in Finland, and the picture is kind of casual, and it looks like he's out on the ocean, and but it it kind of kind of worked. He's chief marketing officer, and you know this might be okay. It's a, but it's a thing to think about. Is this the primary image that you want to be coming across? And one of the things that I did when I had my headshot taken was my photographer asked me for three words that described me. And then he took the pictures. So mm. he was looking for those three words to come through in my photo. So I would encourage you to think of your three words and then get your photo taken and make sure the photo conveys those three things. Mm, nice. So spend a little bit of money, get the right photo done, and utilize that. And it, it, it's and by the way, as someone who's done that, it's totally worth the money because you can use it everywhere then. You can use it on LinkedIn. You can use it on all the other social profiles everywhere you need a photo, which is pretty much everywhere these days, it seems like, for an account. Uh, it just makes yeah. it so much easier. So one of the other pieces you mentioned as a mistake is having the profile not being 100% complete. And I think if you, we, for those of us who've been on LinkedIn, you know, you see this little chart of how complete you have your profile. Why does that matter? Well, according to LinkedIn, users with complete profiles are 40 times more likely, they say, to receive opportunities through LinkedIn. I think that means they give you a little, this is the LinkedIn algorithm, they give you a little boost in the search if you have a 100% complete profile. Oh, wow. 40 times but is a lot. 40 times more likely. Yeah. So to have a 100% complete profile, you need to have your industry chosen and your location. You need to have an up-to-date current position. So that means if you are between jobs, you need to put something in there with some job title and who you are, even if it's, that, if it's that you're seeking opportunities for a particular type of position or 
If you're not a consultant, don't say you're a consultant. If you really are a consultant and you're working as a consultant, you can put that down. If you have a volunteer position that you do, you can put that as your current position, but you need something in the current position. Then they want two past positions. So that means if you're a student, for instance, and you haven't had a lot of jobs, you got to create something. If it's a volunteer thing that you did, you can put that in, but just put something in there as your two past positions. So that's a total of three positions, a current and, a two, and two past. You must have something in your education section, a minimum of three skills, a photo, and at least 50 connections. And Got that it. will give you a 100% complete LinkedIn profile. And for those who haven't seen it, there is the, I, I don't think I knew all the pieces though, but there's the percentage bar on the side. So you can go in and you can see pretty quickly if your profile is complete. And if it's not, then one of those things inevitably is probably what's holding it back. So that would be the thing to take action on, right? Correct. All right, good. Um, one of the other mistakes you mentioned is, um, and we talked about this a little bit, but a blank or ineffective summary section. So, uh, what is it that what's what is it that people mess up with the summary section? Well, a lot of people don't write one at all, which is not a good idea because you're missing out on a chance to sell yourself, to include keywords that will have you be found. They're not as important as the ones in your headline and also your job titles. Or I don't know if we'll have time to talk about job titles, but those are important keyword spots. But the summary is important as well. But this is this you've got two thousand characters here. I mean, this is a gold mine. So use it. So who are you? It's a chance to show a little bit about your personality. Talk about some of the top things that you've accomplished. Sometimes have a sense of humor. I saw one, Fabrizio, I have mentioned before with the, uh, and this is why I thought, you know, maybe this picture on the boat is, a, is okay because the summary is very playful, has a sense of humor as well. Because he, write, he writes, I love to build bridges between people, organizations, and customers. New challenges drive me, and I believe everything can be achieved with the right mindset and effective teamwork. Bonus disclaimer, at times I fail. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I love, I love that. Yeah, I mean, me too. it just shows the personality so well. And then he has a list of specialties. Now, it's very short. So I would also say maybe there's more that you can add here. I think there's, there's more space. You have not used your 2,000 characters. But really nice start. And depending, again, on what the target is, I would like to, I'd like to see a little more. Okay, um, good. I saw another one where it was a, a fairly nice summary. This is a Patrick McGill. Patrick, very good summary. And my only beef with it is, why did you start the summary with the words results-oriented? That is an overused buzzword. It wasn't, I don't think it made it to the list this year. LinkedIn just came out with their list of buzzwords for 2017. And you can see my article on that on my blog. Okay, but, good. We'll, uh, we'll link to it so people can, uh, can get to it. Great. I'm immediately turned off by the word results-oriented, and I don't think I'm alone in that. And so I would say find another way to start. Uh, but other than that, a lot of good information. I saw um, Susan Zoslov wrote her summary in the third person. This is a choice. I only recommend writing a 
third-person summary, if you're a very high-level executive and feel more comfortable writing it that way. There are many high-level executives who write in the first person, which means I, you know, speaking, I did this, I did that, my blah. third person, he or she. So it's this kind of removed. And LinkedIn is, again, a networking site. So you do want to show up as personable. So that, again, is a choice. But for the vast majority of LinkedIn members, I would say write it in the first person and really tell us a story. Tell us something we can't tell by just a bullet list. Mm. of accomplishments. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I, I th- one of the themes I'm coming away from this conversation is thinking about LinkedIn as a networking uh, site. And even though that's how I've used it for years, I'm realizing now in the context of this conversation, my profile is not at all built that way. So I'm uh, I'm, hmm. I'm going to be making some changes, which, uh, which is going to make it a lot better. So I'm really excited about that. One thing I, you mentioned a minute ago is about job titles. Um, is, is there something significant that we should say there based on some of the profiles you've reviewed on, on job? Because I think most people would think like, oh, well, I just, I'd put the job title I had in the organization, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you do that? Well, you do put the job title and you have 100 characters to use. I saw one, hmm, I saw one, Ben Phillips, I noticed. First of all, had no summary section, so watch out for that. And then I saw in the, in the job titles, manufacturing manager showed up many, many times, and I wondered, you know, if that's just showing up over and over and over again, is it going to lose its power? Well, someone who's looking for a manufacturing manager would find you, and that's great, um, manufacturing manager, supply chain manager, project manager. But is this in healthcare? Is this in logistics? Is this like where, what other keywords could support this job title? So what I usually do is write the job title and then put one of those pipe symbols. That's the one that's above your backslash key oh, on your keyboard yeah. and most computers, the up and down line. So put that and then you can write the industry pharmaceutical, um, IT, what, whatever it is, self-driving cars, you know, what, whatever your thing is, as many as you can fit in there because the job titles are the next most important place to put your keywords. Ah, because the LinkedIn algorithm is looking at that. So it's basically yeah. why not use the extra space since you've got it to be more descriptive and put the industry information in there and all that. Exactly. And this is something I have to really like pound in over and over again (laughs) with people. And I have people arguing with me about it. But really, you can do this. And and one and we probably should have said this up front. I mean, neither you or I would ever tell someone put you know change something or put something on there that wasn't true, of course. So I think what you're saying here is you know you've got your job description of your job title, of course. You're you're just adding to that information. You're not changing anything. You're adding to and you're being more descriptive and you're putting in more information so that people can find you on LinkedIn. Correct. And you know if you have a job title that is only used at your company and no one else is going to be looking for it, I would say write the job title that people are going to be looking for as long as it's accurately describing what you do. I don't think you even have to put the exact job title if it's some weird one that no one's looking for. And a lot of companies do that. They get really creative with their job titles, but that's not going to serve you when someone's looking for someone to do that job and it has a normal, different job title in the rest of the world. Yep. 
Very good. All right. So one other um, one other mistake you mention in the book is uh, on the profiles not having any recommendations or having very few recommendations or having uh, what you call boring or error-filled recommendations. Um, this is a weakness I know in my profile. I have a few recommendations, but not many. Why is this important? And what advice do you have for us around that? Because that's that's a piece that you know we don't have maybe as much control over as other things, or, or do we? Well, it can be tough. I heard a lot of stories from people who reached out for recommendations and just never got them. And I certainly have had my own experience reaching out for recommendations and not getting them. Normally, though, people do want to recommend you if they're permitted by their organization to do so. And people, um, in addition to having simple minds, are also tending toward lazy a lot of the time. And it's something, like they have to sit down and think. So I would say offer to talk to them on the phone or send them a few things that might spark their memory and that they might want to write. Um, and then they're more likely to do it. And follow up. I always write recommendations if I know someone's work and someone asks me, I'll always write a recommendation for them. And why they're important, they're really the only reliable way for you to prove what you've done and who you are on LinkedIn. There's the skills section. You can get endorsed for skills, but people can endorse you for skills who have no idea whether you have those skills for real. Mm. So they're not really that reliable. Uh, they, they do have an impact. Recruiters can search for people who have a lot of, of endorsements for a particular skill, and they use that as a gauge. But it could all be a facade. So the recommendations are really reliable. I mean, someone has to post it from their own account and say, yes, I really can say all these things about this person, and they're all really true. It takes a lot more, and so you, and you can't fake that. Yeah, and you mentioned a minute ago of maybe even if, if someone's agreed to write a recommendation for you, you know, help them out, send them maybe a few words or sentences that they could utilize, I mean, particularly people that I've had close relationships over the years. Um, I've, I've done that, and I've had people do that to me, and I'm actually really grateful when people do that because... Um, if it's someone I want to endorse, I mean, that just makes the job easier for me. Um, I might tweak a yeah. few things or change a few things, but um, but more often than not, I mean, that's that's really helpful to people, you know, assuming you've got the relationship with them and they're willing to do it, of course. So Yeah, I agree. All right. Good advice. All right. So I have like a whole list of things that I need to do for my profile. And speaking of things to do, you actually have a call to action for all of us who are listening on something we can do that will um, be something immediately, but also help us to make better connections on LinkedIn. Uh, so tell us about that. Yeah. So connection requests, one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is they hit a button that says connect with this person and they send out this generic request. I'd like to add you to my professional network on LinkedIn. And then people get this and they don't feel like human beings. You know, it, it just it doesn't feel that great to get this standard, lifeless connection request. So how do you make sure that you, you get the chance to customize the request? When you're on the web-based version, you need to go to the person's profile and hit the connect button. If you hit unconnect from a list that you got as a result of a search, so, you, know, you do your search, you get your results, bunch of people, one on top of the other. If you hit connect, 
it's going to send out that standard request and you have no say in the matter. But if you click on the person's profile and go to the profile, then you can really connect with them, write them a little note about why you want to connect with them, what you liked about something they said in a group, or maybe you're, you went to the same school, or you have some questions for them about their industry, or you liked something that they posted on LinkedIn Publisher. Be human, really reach out, give them a reason that you're connecting with them and type it into that box. So that's how to do it on your, web, on your web-based application. A lot of us are connecting with our telephones. And you know, the, other, the other day I was out at another event, and this is the first time this has happened to me. This woman wanted to connect with me on LinkedIn. So I found her on LinkedIn, and I gave her my phone. I said, is this you? And she said, yes. And she pressed the connect button. <laughs> and guess what? I automatically, <laughs> through her pushing the button, sent her a non-customized message <laughs> right, right. requesting. Right. And it's really not intuitive, but there are three buttons next to each other in the upper right-hand corner of your screen on the phone. And those are going to allow you to connect with someone and actually write them a customized message. Oh, I, I'm looking at my app right now. I see that. Yeah, because I've done that before where on the phone, I want to actually write a personal note and I hit the connect button. And then all of a sudden it says invitation sent. I'm like, wait a minute. I wanted to say something. So there's a way around yeah. that. I don't know why they make this so difficult and so counterintuitive, but that's yeah. how it is. You need to like tie your hands behind your back or like sit on them or something and make sure you push those three dots in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, and then you will be able to send a custom message. Oh, nice, nice. I see that. Yeah, personalized invite on the, uh, on the app. So nice. I like it. Yeah. So my invitation to everyone listening is please reach out and connect with me and practice. My name, Brenda Bernstein. You should be able to find me on LinkedIn with not too much of a problem. So please do reach out and connect with me. Let me know that you listened to this interview and maybe something that you learned, and I would love to connect with you. If you make a mistake and send a non-customized request, you can write a follow-up note. That would be one option to correct that. And there's actually a way that you can see in my book of withdrawing your request. You can actually cancel your request. Oh. But that's a little advanced. Yeah. But if you can figure out how to do that, then you're golden. And then you can redo it the right way. Nice. Well, I, I, I would just endorse exactly what you've said. I mean, it makes all the difference, for me at least, on the receiving end. I get a lot of LinkedIn requests from our audience. And um, there's a lot of people that do just hit the button. And I don't necessarily know if they're listeners to the show or if there's someone I ran into someone uh, you know, a while back or a friend of Bonnie's or um, so when someone does send that personal note, it oftentimes opens up a great conversation and I love reading those and it makes all the difference as far as connection points. So I would, uh, I would endorse that as well. And the invitations also open on my end. If, if you're listening and we're not yet connected on LinkedIn, I'd love to connect with you also and, and hear what was valuable uh, from the show uh, for you. So, and of course, uh, Brenda, for those who want to get more um, in depth on this, uh, we've hit maybe, I don't know, maybe 
15, 20% of your book here. There's so much more that is in the book. Um, and so it's called How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile. Um, we're going to have all the links in the show notes in this week's weekly leadership guide uh, to Brenda's book and her website and the articles we've mentioned. So there'll be a ton in there. If you're finding from this conversation like I am that there's a lot to do uh, to get the value out of LinkedIn that we'd like to get, um, I'd really encourage you to check that out because it could be a really great resource for you. Well, thank you, David. It's been great to talk to you. And um, yeah, if people have other things that they want to hear about, please do write to me. I blog and I'd be happy to write a blog about something that you have a question about. Um, And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Brenda, thank you so much for taking the time to review the profiles for uh, uh, your expertise and for putting this book together. Uh, I'm really grateful for it. I know it's going to be really valuable for our entire audience. And uh, thanks for making the time to come on the show. Thank you, David. Brenda Bernstein is the author of How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile. You can find it on Amazon or her website. We'll have all the links in the show notes as always. Thank you so much, Brenda. And one thing that didn't come up in our conversation is that Brenda and her team do LinkedIn profile review services. And so if you're wanting to get into even more depth than we talked about in this conversation, uh, or maybe you're just thinking, gosh, I, I'm not even sure where to start on this. Uh, she's an expert, obviously, in this area, and uh, her and her team be happy to help. So that link will be in the weekly leadership guide, as well as the show notes. So check that out. And while you're online, if you haven't already, I hope you'll take a moment to join my free Coaching for Leaders membership that's right on the front of the website at coachingforleaders.com. When you do, you will get access to the free 10-day audio course, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. If you've just picked up the show recently, it is a fabulous introduction to many of the expert interviews we've had over the last five, almost six years now. And I've taken the 10 best lessons that I think that if you will take action on, will help you get started on leading more effectively. And if you'll give me 10 minutes a day for 10 days, you'll get immediate practical actions to become a more effective leader. You can join in at coachingforleaders.com. That will also give you access to the weekly leadership guides that come on Wednesday. Always includes the notes from every episode, including all the links we mentioned today, as well as a number of other resources. So check that out right at coachingforleaders.com. And in related episodes, there's a number of past episodes that we've talked about social media or how to manage things online effectively. Three of them in particular that'll be helpful in the context of today's conversation. Uh, First of all, episode 101, a while back, I had Donna Schilder on the show. We talked about how to get the most from LinkedIn. Uh, We talked about different things than we talked about in today's conversation, and some things have changed, obviously, since then. But there's still a ton of great information in that conversation as well of some of the things generally to be thinking about in your LinkedIn profile. So again, that's episode 101. And back in episode 242... I had a conversation with Joel Com about how Twitter can help you lead. Yeah, believe it or not, Twitter can actually help you lead. It helps me lead on almost a weekly basis, and it's a great source for information if you know how to use it well. So that's episode 242. And then finally, if managing all the information online and things you've got coming at you on the different social media platforms or over email or articles you find is overwhelming you as it sometimes overwhelms me, I would recommend episode 129, Bonnie and I. I, uh, back on that episode, talked about how to create a personal knowledge 
management system. It was one of the more downloaded episodes of the year that we aired that episode. And we go through in detail how we set up our own systems, both of us, to manage information coming in. How do we process that information? And then what do we do with it to be of value to ourselves and our others and creating our online presence? Uh, there's a few technology changes that have tweaked a little bit since then, but the core elements of everything we talked about, the strategy in that episode are really exactly the same as we both still do uh, today. So again, that's episode number 129. Check out those. You can get to any of the past episodes just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. That will get you right there. And next week, I am welcoming Aaron Meyer to the show. Aaron is a professor at INSEAD and the author of The Culture Map, Breaking Through the Invisible Boundaries of Global Business. Aaron and I are going to have a conversation about all the different cultural dynamics that you can experience in working and working through different cultures, I think you're going to find the conversation really fascinating, especially if you work cross-culturally. And pretty much all of us do these days, even if not daily, certainly on a fairly regular basis. Hey, thank you so much to Jazz926 for the kind review on iTunes. Thanks, Jazz. If you'd like to leave a rating or review for the show as well, uh, please visit coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. Thanks in advance if you do that. And if you have a question for consideration on the next Q&A show that we air the first Monday of every month, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Have a great week and see you next week for LinkedIn. Take care.